1: another edition of the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast. It's 1120 on a Monday morning. There's only one reason that we would be in the Cyclone Fanatic Carl Chevrolet Studios at 1120 on a Monday morning. It's football and random things. It's
0: E1 or S3E1.
1: S3E1. Correct. So
0: you got to start counting them now. I mean the total volume. We can <laughs> keep counting total volume.
1: I'm not going to do it like that. I'm just going to keep doing total volume probably. Right, fine. It's a that. lot easier to do you know, it that I'm, way.
0: I'm going to start counting like that.
1: Okay. Yeah. I mean, if you want to say S3E1, then more yep. power to you, Jeff Woody. Yep. It is. It is more power to me. Wanna,
0: I, I don't want that. I don't want more power. Not in this podcast. This I, podcast is at its
1: best because... I don't think we want you to have any more power.
0: This podcast is at its best because I'm free to be the butterfly that I am in my soul. I don't have to be bound.
1: Can you stop for two seconds, please?
0: I don't know what you're talking about. This is lyrical. It's beautiful. It's majestic. It's like watching a butterfly.
1: Thanks. Fly. Thanks to our friends at Carl Chevrolet, presenting sponsor of the Cyclone Podcast Network. In Check the them out sun. online: at carlchevrolet.com, carlchevroletstewart.com. Exit ninety at the Rock in Ankeny off of I thirty five. Just west of the Des Moines Metro on I-80 in Stewart you can see it from the interstate. Looking by maybe a Colorado Silverado, maybe a Chevy Cruze Equinox or an Equinox. What other a Traverse? There's the Traverse. Uh, Camaro. The Camaro is the, Tah- the Tahoe Chevy, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. You, you can go get a Tahoe.
0: Or you can check the used inventory if new cars aren't your thing.
1: Yeah. You could always do that. 2020. If you don't want a 2020, maybe you could get a nice little 2019 and a little bit of a discount with uh, Carl Chevrolet certified pre-owned vehicles. Kicking around to 2018.
0: Still happy with it. It's a quality vehicle.
1: It is a quality, quality vehicle. It's all they make or all they have there at Carl Chevrolet. I'm glad that we got this done. I'm glad we were able to <laughs> figure this out. Uh, I also want to mention... As of this morning, on teamcloset.com slash you can find your hot official Football and Random Things t-shirt. Hot. If you love to fart, then there's no better way to show it than a Football and Random Things t-shirt from teamcloset.com slash CycloneFanatic. The, uh, they're green. They are green. Just in time for St. Patrick's Day next Tuesday. Go and drink your beer, your green beer. Have some corn beef and cabbage and sport football and random things while you do it.
0: You know what else I enjoy about it? Is I don't know
1: it? if he, if Mike can get those done by St. Patrick's Day, but I'm gonna nail him into it. He has to get them done. And a boy.
0: I also like that they are green because that when when we're walking through a tailgate or if, you know, at a at a an Iowa State function, yeah, it's gonna stick out. It's gonna say, Hey, I fart. I fart. I fart so much that I wanna stick out and let everybody know that I fart in public. I fart in public. I fart in elevators. I fart in lobbies. I fart in Ubers right as I'm getting out. I fart everywhere. That's what that says.
1: That's what that says. <laughs> <laughs> that is. That it's, is what that says. I have says. so
0: much random energy bouncing around. I haven't been able to get it out into a microphone in like what a couple uh, a couple months since the uh, Super Bowl, about a month and a half.
1: That is uh. That is certainly what uh what it says but uh we will we're gonna take a quick break uh then we're gonna come back we're gonna do a spring football preview first for the offense then we're uh next week we're gonna do the defense so you guys can hear us two weeks in a row double fart a double fart that is yeah fart and an aftershock we're uh we're doing this we're coming at you loud, loud and live out uh, of the speakers yeah. loud and live out of the speakers yeah we'll be right back football and random things on the cyclone fact podcast network
0: i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you'll hear us in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal making across sports media and entertainment and that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not as um, simple you know as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify.
1: Welcome back to Football and Random Things on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. All right, we're doing a spring football preview of the offense. When does practice
0: officially kick off?
1: Two weeks from Tuesday. Cool. It's soon. The 24th It's soon of March.
0: But it also feels, uh, if, you're in, if you're in it, this first eight weeks or so of the semester are like the longest eight weeks of your life. Yeah. Like February is probably, I think February is the worst, and I don't mean worst in the sense of most irrelevant. Worst is in physically the most demanding month of the year, because it's the time when there is the least amount of risk just on a calendar. So, like, if you think about it, your first game is in August or September. So you're at least seven months out from that. Um, And you are also clear enough from the football season to have built some kind of strength base to do something. So February is the month where you can really kick strength and conditioning hard in the ass. So that's when your your highest amount of sprinting is your highest amount of cutting change of direction your like the it, it's the it's part where you can have a lot of fun with like you know the weird shit like flipping tires and stuff but um it is also where if you're going to get a soft tissue injury it you know pull a hamstring strain a calf whatever those take a long time to recover from and it's obviously it's something you don't want but if you're going to get one You're going to want to get one in February because it allows you to recover, you know, maybe skip spring ball just for this, you know, which would be getting really bad for your own prospects unless you're Brock Purdy and you kind of know what's happening. Um, But you have then you could recover and then come back for summer and then you can still get good training in in summer and you're not that far behind. So this February is the darkest time. Like that's when you're. All the conditioning stories of you here, whether it's, a, I'm sure at Iowa State and, and and every other place around the country, you hear their fourth quarter drills or their you know their, their overtime drills or whatever you want to call it. name that thing, of just the mental toughness building, grind you into the mat style tough winter workouts, that's February. So it feels pretty quick. Like football just ended for us because, you know, we'd look back in the Super Bowls five weeks ago or six weeks ago and you're like, oh, wow cool spring balls right around the corner but man if you're in the weeds that's such a long time every week is like 3 months in your head it is a long time
1: i can just hear like the the like ptsd in your in your voice it's actually it's
0: fun but man is it hard like the lifting part i mean clearly i don't mind exercise i that's what i made that's what i put my financial future in is exercise and fitness and stuff so i don't mind doing it but it's sort of like eating like i'm sure you genuinely enjoy eating but imagine telling you that you have to eat four times a day and when you eat you have to eat three Jimmy John sandwiches per sitting pretty soon like right I don't away like
1: Jimmy John so
0: right away you're going to be like man this is fun but then when you're full and you're like hey you got to go three sandwiches now then the the joy of the thing <laughs> pretty quickly becomes Oh, I don't want to do this anymore. (laughs) I don't want to do this anymore. And then you have to keep doing it. So that to me is like how I like spring or winter conditioning is for like exercise. Like I enjoy doing it. It's one of my favorite things to do. But at a certain point during that time, you're like too much, too much. I don't want to no mores too much. Uh, But you lived, you survived. And so that's where, yeah, that's where a lot of your ridiculous stories come from of like, yeah, I remember when we had to do 5,000 up downs or something like that's where that comes from. Do
1: you really have to do 5,000 up-downs? No, but... That's a lot of up-downs. We did. I mean, the
0: I think I've probably talked about it on this here before, so stop me if you've heard the story, but the worst punishments during things like that were not in what you had to do, but in what others had to do on your behalf. Like, that's the real yeah. insidious stuff. So, like, if you... Let's say you... Uh, I don't know. Intentional screw ups were way more punished than unintentional ones like if you accidentally missed a line one time uh, sometimes they'll give you a little leeway especially if you are genuinely busting your butt like if a strength coach sees it or like an assistant strength coach sees it you know they're going to hold you to an, an objective bar but like if you're Bust in your butt. You just accidentally screw up. Someone tells you to go left. You go right for one step and then you correct yourself. They'll be like, come on, let's go. But then like not really jump past it. And sometimes they'll punish you for it, but whatever. It's the ones that are deliberately screwed up. And I never, like, this was never a thing that I didn't. It was actually a very small percentage of people that did, but those that did it, did it a lot. Um, and the, so let's say you skipped a rep, like you deliberately like cut a rep and you know, not the miscounted kind of rep where it's supposed to be 12. You did 11 on one set, you finish and you're like, shoot, I was supposed to do 12. And you have that little panic attack. Not that it's when it's supposed to be 12 and you do nine and like you very undercut it deliberately. Cause you don't want to keep going. If that gets seen or if that gets, uh, if you're, if you're supposed to be doing that, then you'd go out and maybe the first time that happens. You have to do, we call them air raids, where you run five yards, do an up-down, run five yards, do an up-down, run five yards, do an up-down. And they didn't come in 50 yard increments, they came in 200 yard increments, minimum. Mm-hmm. 200 yard increments. If you didn't do it fast enough, if someone was lo- like loafing, someone was talking crap, or someone was complaining about doing it, like, you would do another 200. I think the most that I did at a time was 800 yards of air raids. But if that same person has the same infraction, they wouldn't do the air raids they would sit in the middle or they would sit in the middle of the weight room while you're doing some other punishment and they would watch everyone else do it. So they would get out of doing the air raids and they would just sit there and watch you suffer as they were doing it. And that's the kind of stuff that gets fights to happen. But that's also the kind of stuff that if you are to be in that, be that person, a lot of times that is far more soul crushing that you are not like punish me, hit me if you need to like, don't hit my little sister, like that kind of thing of just don't, don't hurt somebody else on my behalf. Yeah. That the so the most absurd. Well, that and there was one time it was a, in a, a redshirt year. I think we had to do 130 straight up-downs.
1: Wow. It's a lot of
0: because and this was a lot of up-downs. It was fair. Like that was one thing like that I loved about coach McKnight, our strength coach, is fairness. Like it is black and white. It's right or it's wrong, and if it's wrong, I'm going to tell you exactly what's going to happen and then he does it. So like you know, what's coming. You just don't do the dumb thing. Don't do the wrong thing. So it was, we had morning lifts for the red shirts. So if you were red shirting, or if you were gray shirting, you would come in. I think the gray shirts came, but anyway, if you were red shirting, you'd come in and your lift was at, let's say 6am. I think it was 6am. And if you were late, it was a running total, but enforced individually, Let's say in week one, there is one person late. Week two, there is nobody. In week three, there is two people late. Well, over the course of the three weeks, you've now had three. So that running total kept coming. Per that running total, multiply it by 10, and that's how many up-downs you had to do at the end of the lift before you could leave. By the end of the season, it was the same three dudes doing it, but it was 150. There were 15 instances of being late, and so by the time we got done, we had to do 150 up-downs by the end of the season, in a row, before you could leave. Yep. No stopping. They cadenced everything. So it's hit it, or whistle, or something, and you just chop, 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 fall down, get back up. Chop, 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 chop fall, get down, back up. That's that.
1: That sounds horrible. I
0: don't, I don't know how much, how, how much time it took, but it was at least six
1: years. So when I was at, uh, when I was at Simpson... We had to do... I mean, everybody has to do, like, study tables and mm-hmm. tutoring and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so, for some reason, our coach had decided that we were going to do twice as much study table as every other every other team on campus. Every other team did five hours. We did ten. This was, like, a really weird thing. Like, just suddenly he decided, like, we're going to do twice as much as everyone else in the study table. Okay. Uh, One time, we had... I got, I got 9.85 hours uh, instead of my 10 hours. What is
0: that, seven minutes?
1: Yeah, something like that. Not even, I mean, it's, it's like a very small amount of time when you're thinking about 10 like hours. five minutes. Uh, anyway. And uh, two other people on my team got like 9.6. So like, yeah, like half an hour away from completing this. Uh, they made us stand in the middle of the floor and watch everyone else do what was called a Colgate It's called Colgate because that's what you're going to need after you get done doing it and throwing up. Mm. Uh, It's another one of the things that my coach always said that was stupid. And uh, so it was like you you would like bunny hop around the floor. And then when you got all the way around, and it's like he was really hardcore about don't cut on the corners Mm -hmm. and things like that. And it was like Mm -hmm. if you did, then everybody would start over. And so I stood in the middle of the floor and watched my entire team. Do this because of five minutes that I missed at the study table when the, in reality, most of my teammates just didn't even go. They just went and signed in and Damn left. You.
0: Damn you and your, your honesty slash integrity to report the under reporting.
1: Yeah, Son of a... Yeah. So that's winter conditioning. That's winter. Yeah. That was actually in the middle of the season, but mm. uh, that, yeah, it's about the same type of thing. It's where you just stand there and you're like, man. This is bad.
0: I, I, I enjoy this much less.
1: I was actually standing there thinking like, man, I really don't feel that bad about this. I think this is really stupid. Like, I feel bad that this stupid thing is happening to my friends. More than I feel bad that I missed my five minutes at the study well, I, the, table. The, I feel like the infraction. Yeah. Is, did not, it, like, the punishment greatly outweighed the, uh, what I had done wrong. So I was like, I don't know. So I feel bad for my friends, but at the same time, it's just stupid. Yeah. I don't know why Why I'm having to stand here and watch them do this. I would just rather do it myself, by myself. And don't worry about it. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. All right. Uh, let's talk about Irish State football. The offense, I think, you know, when you look at the backfield, not many questions to be answered in that scenario. At least the, the no, top
0: group. The, no and yes at the same time. Yeah. So the yeah you're talking about the top group and so the great thing about spring ball and so framing expectations on spring ball who spring ball is not important for are your ones your clear cut like 100 percent number one starting no questions asked that's not as important for them they're what spring ball for them is an opportunity to be coached and like dial down mechanics like have Brock continue to get his feet better and make sure that he's delivering his hips to his his shoulder better, throwing better, making better reads. But the problem is it's really hard to read like full defenses and you know, whatever you can do some part of it. It's good practice. It's good drill work and, and, but even good on good, the good on good quote, you're, you're throwing people in to try and test them out in in high pressure situations. So it's not exactly a realistic look for someone else. So like for Brock and Priest they're, for them, it's mechanics, timing, it's technique. Cause this is the only time between now and, and middle of summer, I think, and middle of summer, whatever the rules are now that you can actually be coached by your coach. So like you can go watch film, but they, they legally can't be on a football field coaching you with how to do it except during the period of spring ball. So this is when you can actually like work on your mechanics for those guys. That's their importance. And because the risk is, you know, like Brock's not get that much better going live on live versus somebody else. Brees probably could use it because he's a puppy, kind of, again, continue to feel stuff out. But, like, Brock doesn't need to practice, so he's probably going to take a huge portion of individual, like that's going to be Brock time, and then a huge portion of, like, seven-on-seven and the non-contact stuff – but then as soon as it gets to the point where it's even remotely close to a scrimmage, he's just going to maybe take one series and then back up and let whoever else is behind because the risk of him participating in that drill greatly exceeds the reward of him getting better with a situation like that. So guys like like Brock and Brees to a point, but like I said, he's coming into a sophomore year. Brees just needs some snaps, mm-hmm. but he's still probably not going to... He's not going to be taking all the ones reps. He'll take probably the, the first 60% of the ones reps and then he'll be done. But what spring is great for. So again, the people that it doesn't matter for much are your Ray Lima's from last year. Like there is no question. No one was going to beat out Ray Lima. He was defensive tackle. Yeah. No questions. But what it, who it's great for are everybody else that's trying to become that. So like if you're a guy who's a starter, but not a hundred percent like locked in that you're going to be the starter. So like granted, like Tavon Kyle and Anthony Johnson at corner, those guys are starters, but they're not when you look at the team like, all right, lock them in, guarantee it, call it good. Like they have super potential, but what if somebody else works their way in, there's a chance they get beat out. So those guys need to hone a lot and they need to have a lot of competition again, and you have access to getting coached, but you have to, you have to earn your spot man. Like you have to lock in, earn your spot and those, it's really good for them. It's also really good because, so you, that trickle down of, okay, let's you know, you got Brock, you got, you know, fill in the blank, whatever other offensive positions, like the tight ends, I think are probably pretty set. They kind of know what they're doing. They want to impress the new coach, but like, y- you know what you're doing. you have no real... Well, Tom Manning's their coach. Well, the, is the... Sorry, the new running backs coach. Sorry, yeah. I was thinking it was the new tight ends coach, um, but like, w- whatever. You have, you're trying to do a couple things, but between... Yeah, Saner and Allen and, and Kolar, like, they're going to do what they're going to do. It's just get better at what you do. Like, become better blockers, become better pass catchers, fundamentals and stuff. Um, but if you trickle that down, whoever is coming after that, let's say, I don't know, the backup, whoever the backup quarterback is going to be, we have no idea what that's going to be. So let's take it into, like, the running back's room. So the running back's room, we know Brees is going to be the starter. Presumably, Johnny is going to be the backup. So when Brees takes his 50% of the ones reps, everything's one, two, three, four, five, whatever the depth chart is. But then when they pull Brees, because they don't need to put him in live contact drills, then Johnny in essence becomes the starter. The number two becomes the, or the number three becomes the number two. The number four becomes the number three. And if you're rotating, then like your one, your, your new number one and your new number two will take the ones reps. And then the new number three and the new number four take the twos reps. So guy that's pre, pre spring ball, the number five is now getting reps with the twos. And so you don't like that chance to compete against other guys and show what you got. That's where guys skyrocket up the depth chart. I mean, that's how, like, that's how I got myself to be in a scholarship position was because I came into like out of uh, winter conditioning as like a four or something. And then I left spring ball as a two. So when you, you get yourself up the depth chart by just being able to be in positions to perform because they're going to pull guys out above you. So it just ladders everyone up. So with the backfield, the offensive backfield Brock, again, not going to take a ton of reps. It's also because they need to figure out a backup because you have two puppies, right? Yeah. That are trying to essentially figure out the college game and learn enough that you can, they could be a sufficient backup, so they don't have to be like, shoot, we got to go find a grad transfer somewhere just in case you know something bad happens. We have to be able to find someone that we can count on. So these guys have to get better fast, and they have to get better. Uh, they just have to like learn, like what, what when you call a certain play, where your eyes go. Not only do you need to learn that, you have to be able to effectively do it. So I bet the. The person who plays the least in spring ball is Brock Purdy. Mm-hmm. And the people that play the most, like, they're getting, those two quarterbacks, specifically those two?
1: Well, uh, there's only one of them here now. One of, only, only, okay. Yeah, only Aiden Bowman's here. Okay.
0: Is uh, Decker's getting here in the fall? Yeah. Okay, so I thought he was there already. So you have one kid who's going to take a lot of snaps because yeah. he has to get way better way faster. than Blake Clark and...
1: Uh, The other walk on,
0: and that's it's a chance for those guys. Yeah. But either way, like the back end of the quarterbacks room from two on down are going to need a ton of reps. Yeah. And I think that what in the running backs room it's unique because we mentioned at the end of last season one of the things that I want to that I would just personally you know magic wand is a better third and short or you know just short down a distance pressure down a distance sets. Whatever that set is, and maybe it's Brees, and he can just you know muscle down and do it, but maybe it's also Jyrel Brock, mm-hmm. or maybe it's somebody else yeah. that ends up being the power back that can go downhill, and that's where you can start figuring stuff out. And there's another again another chance because when Brees gets pulled at some point during practice and everyone bumps up a rung maybe it's the one kid like it's a kid that you don't expect like I don't like Rory Walling I don't know he's little but like let's say theoretically in practice he's consistently doing the thing that's when you get a chance to be like okay maybe this is the deal like maybe that's what we can show so I don't know like it's stuff like that whether it's specific to the running back room or someone else you get the chance to figure those out so I think the, the offensive backfield the ones are better than they've been in a while. Two at running back. I think Johnny's a really good number two. But beyond that, who is there? Mm-hmm. That's the question. I think that's, for me, that's one of the bigger things in spring ball is what's behind the top line?
1: Yeah. I think you look at the wide receiver spot too, and there's a lot of opportunity for some guys. I mean, well, you know, the line too. Yeah. Well, and then the offensive line was the other one I was going to mention. But I think that that receiver group, when you look at what, uh, I mean, you know what you have in Tariq coming back mm-hmm. but you got to replace Deshante you got to mm-hmm. replace the Michael Petway, both of which caught a lot of passes last season uh it's gonna be opportunities for guys like Sean Shaw uh mm-hmm. who else skates Sk- yeah Joe skates um and a lot of those young receivers to kind of prove that, Wilson yeah to prove that they belong with that top group and should be catching passes from Brock Purdy every week
0: yeah you know and I think the the cool thing too about and the other cool thing about spring ball. So it's really good for the people behind the ones uh, and even the ones that are not assuredly set, you know, you're like Sean Shaw is, has a stupid high ceiling, but I think, and he's proved, he proved himself towards the back end of that year. So I think he's pretty solidly in, in the one spot, but that doesn't lock him in because let's say the flow of uh, like Here's another example. It's during it was during fall camp, but like Orion Vance on defense, he made himself irreplaceable. He could he. he it was one of those things of, I'm going to do so well, you're going to have to find a way to put me on the field. The receiver group is flexible enough that, let's say, you know, kashaw's a big. He's a, one of those big physical targets that that Campbell and, and Manning like. You know the 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 mold of Allen and Hakeem, but what let's say that because of the tight ends and their flexibility to be, you know, like Charlie becomes a big body receiver that can have like even more consistency with kind of jump balls in the end zone and can become an outside vertical threat, like a Michael Agnew back at Mizzou back in the late two thousands. Let's say he's able to be that then the importance of a big wide receiver isn't as high. It's cool, but it's not as high. And let's say, yeah, Darren Wilson and I don't know, fill in the blank, Somebody else who's a speedy slot receiver, let's say those guys end up being the ones that when they're on, the, they're on the field at the same time, the speed that they have despite the size they don't have becomes the best look that the offense can do while the sudden Shaw then would be left out of the picture. Now, again, I don't see that happening. But theoretically, that's what you can do with a position group that's as flexible as it is because Tariq has played X. He's played the slot. He could potentially be the guy that ends up being that inside zone finder. And, yeah, maybe you put Darren Wilson out there. You put Shaw out there. But it also could be that he is the – down the field guy like he was last year so you're able to flex around and play so the other thing is that's fun with spring ball is it's the lab that you can kind of test you know like we talked about with the bowl game you can kind of practice stuff yeah but with spring ball it's totally you know the this it's the stuff you talked about during the season like hey what would happen if we put i'm gonna make something completely up like if we put Tariq milton at quarterback and we put you know, all three tight ends as wide, stand up wide receivers and a running back in a wing position. What if we tried that? And you have like two or three plays drawn out of it, but it's too crazy to put in during the season. And even during the bowl prep, you have so much stuff you want to work on where you're like, you know what, what the hell, let's see what this looks like. Then you can kind of test that kind of random crap that would or wouldn't be useful during the season. And that kind of tweaking, that's a big degree, but like, let's try to re-get the slot. Or let's try Shaw as a slot receiver. Or let's try him as a number three when we get in a trip, see what he does, see how he handles that set. Let's see if Brees can catch passes. Let's say Johnny, let's see if Johnny can play slot. Let's see if Kinney can play wide receiver. Like, which one of those, like, random situations can you try and figure out? So that's kind of the cool stuff. And a position like, like I said, the wide receivers group can be anywhere. Like, you can put a big wide receiver in the slot or a little wide receiver as a number one and just see what it does. So I, there's a lot of opportunity in the wide receiver room for some guy to come out of nowhere to end up being one of the guys to be counted on.
1: So then what is... What's going on in the offensive line room where you have basically three spots as starters up for grabs, but then everything behind them as well, trying what? to kind of jostle position there?
0: I think that, that it, to me is the, is the more unique thing that iowa state's recruiting has done that you have talent everywhere but now you have talent behind talent at a position like the offensive line that we've never that's not really been a thing you know like if if in years past you have like let's say two offensive linemen go down because you know that somebody rolls up on one and somebody else has a shoulder injury yeah if you have to replace two offensive linemen you're digging in the barrel for a position that you, you probably like the guy that's probably going to end up playing is an uh, like a guy like Jake Campos when he was a freshman or a sophomore who was really talented but really young and shouldn't have had to play that like that soon or a guy like Brock Daigle who when he was a senior was a pretty like a, a pretty good offensive lineman when he was a sophomore he was like 260 pounds and shouldn't have been on the field because he was too light wasn't quite ready yet. But you have to start reaching in the barrel to find that guy to replace a couple linemen. How deep is this offensive line group as far as quality, good enough players? Right. I don't know how, you know, I, I don't know if you have, you know, you're all Americans. There's no, they don't, there's no Coletti Assemblies on this line. But there's also at least a, a fair number, eight to nine good players that you could put in any position. So I think there is... There's probably less stress in the offensive line room than there has been in a while, but there's more options. So you're trying to figure out where, like, is Colin Newell going to go back and play center again? Is he, is that where he's going to go? Or are you going to keep him out at guard and tackle and find somebody else that's going to play center? Like, what look are you going to try? And I, I don't know what this coaching staff does maybe you have the discussion with the kid or with the kids about like, Hey, where would you like to play or where whatever and have an open discussion about where would you want to be and see if you can work off that. Or if you just tell them, I mean, there's no, I don't think there's a right way or wrong way, but like, I think they're tinkering who works best together. And I don't know what their process on that is. That's why they get paid money to do it. But maybe it's during individual drills where they'll combo block and they'll put, Hey, uh, Newell and Ramos, get o- get over here. We're going to see, you know, do a base block here and like, st- And they do that for a a week or three practices or whatever. And like, man, Newell and Ramos work really well together. We got to put them next to each other. And then, okay, so where do we put them next to each other? Well, if if Newell plays left guard, then we can have him have Ramos play left tackle. And then what, you know, you just do that kind of piece together based on who works well together. And then that's your kind of first shot at what it is and see how that line works together. And then you replace and kind of piecemeal stuff together. But I think the offensive line is an exciting like I said, it's less stressful, but more options. And because there's guys, they're also they've recruited a lot of linemen that can play a lot of different positions. Like you take again using Brock Daigle as an example because he's just the tallest and skinniest lineman that I can think of. He couldn't play guard. Like he's too tall. His leverage, he would get he he's he would get popped up like by a uh, you know a Ray Lima a Jamal Johnson if he were to go up against him, it'd be really hard for him to get his arms extended. Because his leverage, his advantage is getting those super long arms all the way locked out. That's what I mean. Ko is just super strong, but same way, like he could end up playing guard because he was thicker. But you have arm length; you're trying to get someone locked out, and then they're done. Well, Brock was too light in the ass to be a guard, so he couldn't have played in at guard. So he would have a tackle, and that's it. Whereas you have guys. I mean, Newell, how many offensive line positions did he play?
1: Played tackle in high school.
0: He played tackle in high school. He played center here, and he played guard in the bowl game Mm -hmm. so you have a guy that can play all the positions and I would say like Ramos is the same way I mean you look up and down the roster there's guys that can play guard tackle center you have to have a very specific brain to play center but like you can mix these guys so many different ways it might be completely different than what you expect coming in like yeah maybe Colin Newell is your left tackle next, next season I don't know the probability of that but it's not out of the realm of possibility that that just ends up being the position that works the best with the line they have
1: yeah. All right, man. You got anything else you want to say about the offense? Um, I I'm excited
0: to, I'm excited to see what they can do with their like X Factory guys. You know, like what other new stuff can you come up with your tight ends? And do you have a, do you have a way to, that you can get? Um, and again, Caney has, he's that kind of an en- enigmatic player where when he's able, when he's good, he's really freaking good. When he's bad, it's pretty bad like, is there a way that you can get in situations where he is more good than bad? Is there a way that you can get gyro Brock on the, or on the field somehow? Maybe it's in two back sets. Maybe it's as a sort of scene Buckner kind of role, but has more capacity to catch the ball or whatever. Like who, how do you get these, these guys that don't need to be in a position on the field, you know, like maybe, yeah, you get a gyro Brock as a fullback position. That's back as a, you know, with, um, Brees Hall. And then Charlie Kolar is playing the equivalent of an X receiver. And then like chance and Saner are down tight ends. And then you have Tariq Milton on the other side. Like maybe that is a look that ends up with Brock functioning as a tight end and Charlie functioning as a wide receiver and the two tight end, the two other tight ends are true tight ends. And then Tariq's a wide receiver. Like maybe that's a look that you can get guys in the field with and I want to see what that happens. Like, I want to see how, how guys like that work and piece themselves together. That's what I'm curious with.
1: Yeah. Just the experimentation mm-hmm. element.
0: Of getting, especially if you can get number three on the field, he's a difference maker with his speed. But he's also a difference maker in the wrong direction when it's not done right. Yeah. So I, stuff like that. Like, can you get him on the field?
1: I feel like there's a Like, I don't know it felt like they've never really even put him in that many positions like to do what he does really well.
0: But it's also probably because there's a certain, if you're not able to do something like, like Tavon Austin is a guy that in this, in that role, Tavon Austin is the quintessential peak example of what you can do with someone like that. Like stupid, fast, dangerous in any position you get him with a ball but he was a better route runner, a better true receiver than Kanae is. He also had really good hands. Kane probably not. So when he's on the field, it's not, hey, number one is getting the ball for sure because he's good enough as a route runner, as a receiver, to not force you to always know that he's going to get the ball. And if he does, even if it is a situation where you're like, hey, number one's right here, then he could end up running a post route or a post corner or a comeback or something like that, and it's, it's open enough – or even as a slot receiver, he could run a reverse. He could fake a reverse. You could do all kinds of stuff with him, put him at tailback. Kane, I don't, it's probably that he just hasn't been able to pick up the, like the men, the, like the, the conceptual understanding of running routes. Cause he's always been a running back. I wouldn't be able to do it. I mean, maybe I could mentally do it after a year or two, but you have to, f- that's something that just takes feel. Mm-hmm. Like how far away from someone do I need to be before I'm open? Like, Maybe he just hasn't been able to get that field down. So when he's on the field, even if it's like, hey, just give him a reverse, like put him on the field and give him a reverse. Well, if you put him on the field and you only give him a reverse, the, you lose the, like, the other team's super stupid athletic too. If you know where he's going, there's no advantage. So you have to, he has to be variety. I don't know. He has to have enough variety in his game to not be predictable when he does get on the field. And again, slot receiver, vertical threat, running back, second running back. I don't know. But a way to kind of make it work with that kind of athleticism.
1: Definitely. All right, man. We'll talk to you next week about the defense. Sound good? It's almost here. All right. We'll talk to you guys again soon. Thanks, everybody, for listening. It's, uh, it's been football and random things. Have a great rest of your week.